We look forward to seeing you one day. And if you are watching from a totally different state, thank you. Uh, one of the cool things that has happened, little did we know, is that we were planting an online church. And that's what's happened over the last three months. We've got people watching us from literally all over the globe. And yes, it is a globe. It's not flat. I'm holding to it. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting adventure, hasn't it? Uh, I am so glad that you are here. And I just thought it would be appropriate if we begin with prayer um, just alongside of you. So please play, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the people in this room. Thank you for those people watching us online, for, for, for people who have uh, decided to just worship together. Lord, to be of one mind and spirit and purpose. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together. Uh, I pray that you would continue to heal, Lord, our land. Continue to help uh, those people who have been affected by the events over the last few months. Uh, please, Lord, I pray that you would continue to keep our city safe from any further harm that would come from any virus or, or anything else. Lord, help us to be people this morning who, who are paying attention to one another and paying attention to those who desperately need attention. Help us to be people, Lord, who have eyes and can see, who have ears and can hear, because that's not always the case. We love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you know, it has been interesting. You know, when I taught a school several years back, and yes, I taught high school, uh, Liv always says, what have you not done, Dad? Have you done everything? Yeah, I taught high school for two years, and some of the seasoned teachers that I would teach with, they would uh, always say the joke, you know, this could be the perfect job if it weren't for the kids. And I've heard ministers say that too about ministry. This is a perfect job if it weren't for those people. Um, I'm not going to tell you if I've ever said that joke. Um, but I will say that I've been reminded over the last 12 weeks of how wrong that is. Because I need you. I need every one of you. And I am so glad that you are here. And I am so glad that you guys have continued to encourage me, encourage our staff. Um, you guys watching online, man, you guys are so encouraging too. And just being able to reach out through emails and texts and all the comments, man, it's just been so, so good. So um, our, our elders and staff have been doing their very best to, to reach out to as many people as we can. So if you haven't been reached out to, it might be because we don't have your correct contact information. Um, so you can always update that through our app. All right, I'm gonna point you back to that. Um, the truth is, is we are all in this together. Uh, so one thing I wanted to do real quick, if you can, if you have the app, go ahead and open up your phone, uh, that you should have received a push notification this morning. If you don't have the app, you can go to JSCC, uh, I think it's JSCC or John Street Church on the app store, you can find it. Uh, but there's a push notification, it's a poll, and I'd like you to fill that out if possible. And the question is very simple. How have you spent your quarantine? And there's four options. So take a, take a look fill those out and then I will refer back to those in just a few moments. So we're starting a new series today and today I wanted to, to just take a few minutes and talk with you a little bit about miracles. Um, I mean that video gets you doesn't it? Man it gets me. It would seem that a miracle is something that we all desperately need right now. 
Now, a miracle could be something that McKenna explained. It could be something uh, that occurs only through divine intervention, uh, something that a human's not capable of, something only uh, being able to experience through spiritual, supernatural intervention. And what's funny is when, when, when we experience a miracle, there's always shock. I don't know how many of in this room have experienced a miracle, but I would say that most people probably have at one point in your life experienced something you cannot explain. And, and usually, even though we've prayed for it, we've, we've been you know fervently praying and the miracle happens, we're still shocked, aren't we? We're still amazed. In fact, after this last service, someone was telling me how amazed he was at this miraculous moment in his life. And, and it gets you. Get you right in the emotional center to know that, man, God's paying attention. And miracles usually aren't something we see every day. But what I hope to communicate over the next few weeks is that there are everyday miracles that I think we fail to see. Some amazing things happen through intense prayer and some things happen seemingly by mistake. For example, in the late 1800s, I don't remember exactly when it was, maybe 1879 or something, um, there was a man named Constantine Falberg. I'm sure you all know who that is. I'm sure he's a common household name in the researching world. Constantine Falberg, he was doing uh, exciting, pivotal research with coal tar. I mean, he was cutting edge stuff. Coal tar is, you know, it's um, researchers, am I right? All right. Um, so he's been working with compounds and uh, he did, as all men do, he just didn't wash his hands. So he goes home and he takes a bite of his roll and it's sweet. He's like, huh, interesting. And so he, a little bit later, he wipes his mouth with his napkin and it's sweet. And so being a man, what is the first thing you're gonna do? Stick your fingers in your mouth. So he sticks every finger in his mouth. They're all sweet. So what does he do? He thinks, oh, it must be something back at the lab. So he goes back to the lab and he did something that I don't recommend anybody do. He takes every one of his Petri dishes and starts to lick them all. But that's a man for you, right? We're gonna figure it out. Finally, he gets the very last one. I don't know if he used Petri dishes. What do you use with coal tar? I have no idea, but he gets the last one. He tastes it and it is sweet. And what he discovered in that moment was saccharin. He discovered something that we all eat. Well, I'm not gonna say all of us, but a lot of us put in our coffee and everyday things. Now you may think this is not a miracle, but I would venture to say that for the millions and millions of diabetics in this country, this is a miraculous thing. Something he wasn't even planning on discovering happened seemingly by mistake. Now, this is gonna be a lot more than sweet and low conversation for the next several weeks. But I will say that this, for some, was a miracle. I believe that the supernatural does, has, and still occurs. One of the questions I've had this week is why, uh, what is the purpose of a miracle? Is it to meet our needs? Is it to just give us something that we want? Is it to, um, I don't know, just 
satisfy a prayer maybe? What is the purpose of a miracle? And I, I came to the conclusion that I think the purpose of a miracle is to give us a glimpse into the world of God. In fact, God sent his son Jesus to the earth to save us, to rescue us, to show us his world, to give us a glimpse into his way, into what happens when God is active and present on the earth, to give us a glimpse into God's everyday life. And if we are not connecting to God through Jesus, it will be impossible for us to see and really recognize and appreciate the miraculous in our everyday life. I believe that. And man, do we not need a miracle today? From our culture's next move into this next chapter of the COVID crisis to the tragic results of what happens when fear and self-centeredness rule our actions. Man, we need a miracle today more than ever if we hope to give justice to the poor, justice to the marginalized. We need a miracle today more than ever if we hope to see people of all races, colors, creeds, ethnicities come together in the name of Jesus, in the name of love and respect, appreciate and care for one another. Instead of dividing one another, dividing ourselves over our differences Man, we need a miracle today more than ever if we hope to bring a lost and dying world to Christ. We need a miracle today, do we not? I just love hearing that real real life feedback. Usually I just, you know, play my little clap meter on my phone and plays in my ear. Man, we need a miracle today. I believe that the miraculous is very possible for those who follow Jesus. And I also believe it's possible for those who do not. I believe that God still works miracles through the body of his son Jesus that even still continues to work and to serve and to love. God wants to work the miraculous through his son's body through those of you who choose to follow Jesus with everything you are. And it is only through Jesus that we can hope to give people just a glimpse into the everyday world of God. And it's only because of Jesus that we can even see it for ourselves. We couldn't see it on our own. You know that, right? The only way we can catch a glimpse into God's world is if he allows that to happen, if he gives us the power to do it. And he's done that through his son, Jesus, through his spirit. But sometimes even when we are face to face with Jesus himself, sometimes we need a little extra help seeing clearly. So there's a really cool story in Mark chapter 8. Turn to Mark chapter 8. And it could be a story, it could be, um, if you read just a little portion of this entire chapter, you can maybe get a different opinion. Uh, I always encourage you, read everything in context, read it chapter by chapter, uh, but I'll kind of set it up for you. So Jesus had just performed a miracle. He had just fed 4,000 people with a few loaves of bread and a few small fish, uh, similar to the feeding of the 5,000, but this is a little different. And, and so um, they were on the boat 
on the Sea of Galilee right afterwards, and Jesus mentions uh, bread, and his apostles are kind of wondering, what is Jesus talking about? And so what Jesus tells them, uh, very specifically, he says, do you see this? Do you understand what I'm talking about? The truth is, guys, you, don't, you, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. The idea of that passage, you have eyes to see, but don't see, ears to hear, but you don't hear. That's the point, I believe, of this entire chapter here. Because even though the apostles were right next to Jesus, they could not fully see yet. And then this happens. 22, verse 22, they came to Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida is one of these three towns that Jesus frequents. He goes to Chorazin, he goes to Capernaum, and he goes to Bethsaida. Uh, They're all really close together. And I was able, you know, when we went to Israel several years ago, we were able to go to Bethsaida. But they're, they're in walking distance of each other. This is where Jesus spent a lot of his time, where he spent a lot of time in the synagogues. So the people knew him. Uh, So they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. When he had put saliva on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. So without going any further, if you were just to stop here, you would think, oh, Jesus, he must have messed up. He must have failed to, you know, fully heal this person for some reason and he needed a do-over there's more going on here Um, kids love the story because it's just gross right how many people would say yes spit in my eyes right going to the optometrist doctor dr gold is she here she's not here she's at home dr gold i have problems with my eyes great get in your chair lean your head back i got something for you it's just gross right and, you're, and, and you think, why would Jesus spit in this person's eyes? What in the world? Well, this is interesting. During that day, there's been a lot of research done. It's ongoing, by the way. And, and they have found that this was a practice by people who were looking for some sort of a healing notion. And it, and it was a superstition, superstitious belief that, that if you had... Um, the spit of a holy man in what ailed you, then you would be healed. One particular story talks about a man who ran up to the Caesar at the time and was just bowing down and going, please, I can't remember his name, spit in my eyes, spit in my eyes. And they were trying to get him away. And finally, the Caesar relented and went over there and spit in his eyes. And they, and they said, oh, it's all good. He's all healed. So the superstition goes, if you spit in, this, in someone's eyes or their wound, they'll be healed if you're holy, close to God, which is interesting. So who knows? But maybe these people turned to Jesus not because he was the Messiah, not because they believed in everything he said, but maybe just because he was a holy man and they were out of options. Which makes you wonder, they knew this person. They, Jesus was frequenting Bethsaida. They knew him. But not just because you know of someone doesn't necessarily mean you know someone. And so they knew him. They knew he was a healer. They knew he was holy. And uh, they were probably more interested in what he could do for them than 
they were him in general. So he gives them what they want. And his spit is so holy, it actually opens his eyes, but allows just enough light in to make everything fuzzy. I believe that if we're simply using Jesus to get what we want, we're never going to see clearly. Even earlier in this in this chapter, after this feeding of the 5,000, there's this interesting moment when it talks about the Pharisees. It talks about how the Pharisees uh, were trying to trap Jesus, which means these Pharisees, they did not care one iota about the miracle. I don't even know if they even saw it. All they cared about was trapping Jesus after he did this amazing thing, which goes to show that no matter how much religion you have, how much knowledge or religious knowledge you have, how religious you are, if you can't see Jesus for who he is, then you'll never be able to see as you were meant to be able to see. And so once more, Jesus laid his eyes on, uh, laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home saying, don't even go into the village. Now this is simply more than Jesus saying, whoops, hang on, let me try this over. He's doing something miraculous here and it's not just in restoration of a man's sight. He's telling us something about ourselves that we need to know and that we need to remember. And he's using this whole story, and it follows, um, it, it, this story precedes this great moment that Peter had, this great confession moment. Whenever, remember, Jesus takes his apostles uh, by the land of Caesarea Philippi, and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, it's a horrible city. The horrible things go on there. And Jesus is saying, who do people say that I am? Uh, and really, right around this center of superstition and God worship, uh, he's saying, who do people say that I am? And finally, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, you get it. Awesome. A great moment of clarity. It's beautiful. And then Jesus, I think Jesus says, okay, Peter gets it. So let me tell you, and he goes on to say, this is what the Son of Man now is going to have to do. He's going to have to suffer. He's going to have to go through some very scary things, some pain and difficulty. And then Peter pipes up and says, no, you're wrong. You do not have to do that, and it's never going to happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. I think this is the point the things of man are self-centered things. We cannot get past ourself when we, are, when we have the things of man in mind. The things of God, however, focus on the larger story. More, always more going on, bringing hope and love to others. You know, miracles occur so that we can get a a glimpse into the things of God. We can see um, those things only if we are choosing to see Jesus for who he really is. And only through Jesus can we see and experience the miraculous as it was meant to be seen. It's not superstition. It's, it's God. You know, only through Jesus 
through Jesus can we see clearly and only through Jesus can we have in mind the things of God. In our world right now, y'all, man, we need Jesus more than ever. I mean, nothing seems clear today. The way people treat one another continues to be ugly and it starts in your private conversations when you can't say anything good about just a random person you happen to know. And then one day it's full blown into violence, bias, even racism. People on all sides are trying to state their case and some people have a really good case. But even though people have eyes, they can't see. Even though people have ears, they can't hear. And evidence doesn't really matter if you can't see clearly or understand it. The only way we will be able to see through the mess of our culture is if we are looking at it through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Because only through him can we see just how God can work the miraculous even into the most dangerous and difficult and unexplainable situations. He's active. Only through him can we see what's really going on. This is God's world, folks. So going back to our poll here, I want to see how many people have... Okay, ooh, nice. We have 140 responses. So these are the answers. And I want to see us in, in, in the room here. You can't see uh, how many people are raising hands if you're online. But this is how did you spend your quarantine? You ready? Home projects, raise your hand. 61%, that's pretty good. All right, how many uh, binged watched a series for the eighth time? All right, good. Honest people on the front row. Liam did both, home and binge watched. Amazing, multi-talented. Uh, here we go. Finally learning the names of my neighbors. Good job. Well, yeah. Okay, great. How many of you still don't know the names of your neighbors? Be honest. Okay, now's your chance. This, you don't have, even if they're two acres away, Rusty, you can still just trudge on over. Okay, golf cart it. It's the cowgirl and the windmill guy. Okay, that works, I guess. How many of you are only now realizing, sadly enough, that nothing in your life has changed at all over the last 12 weeks? Okay, all right, thanks for being honest. It's been crazy, the reactions to everything that has happened. And I know that some people, for some people, this has been devastating. For some people, it's been an annoyance. And in those people's lives who cannot see past the tragedy that has struck because of this virus, how do you see the miraculous of God in the middle of that? I wish there was an easy answer. All I can say is that I know that if we allow Jesus to help us to see, then we'll be able to see the world that Jesus meant for us to see. And it's a world that we weren't meant just to watch. It's a world that we were supposed to participate in. It's always been the plan for us not to just sit back and watch, but to participate. God is not sitting back and just watching it all unfold. He is active. He took, he may have taken the eighth day, that seventh day off, but he's worked ever since. 
How miraculous would it be for the body of Christ to continue to seek out the lost in every corner of the world, in every corner of our community? How miraculous would it be if the body of Christ were to lift up the downcast, to help the poor, to defend those who have been oppressed, to help those on the margins, to stand alongside people in the margins, help them to find and experience justice. And for for some of you, this may be a daily event, But for some, the presence and involvement of someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, if they were to participate in their life for some people, that would be a miracle. And we may not see it clearly now, but when we choose to see Jesus for who he is each and every day, and it is a daily choice, when we choose to give up the things of man, I think we're going to catch a glimpse more and more into the things of God and see that the things of God are at work all around us. And we might even just possibly see a miracle and realize that with God, they occur each and every day. So my question is for you, what are you focusing on? How do you see Jesus? How have you chosen to see him? Are you using him toward your own means to get what you want? Do you find your prayers are more big asks rather than just conversation? Now, some of us do need, I admit it. Can you see clearly and would you like to? You'll notice Jesus asks people several times in Scripture, what is it you want me to do for you? If you want to see, we can help you see. Because I really believe that the miraculous occurs and is still occurring through the body of Jesus. The active participation of those who have given their life to him. With the Holy Spirit in us, the miraculous is possible. So if you need help seeing, we can help you with that. Reach out to us in any way you can, whether it's email, text, you can come down here at the front. We would love to show you Jesus and then let the Spirit show you the rest. Let's stand together and sing and then I'll come back up and close this out.